Thank you, Pastor Daniel. It's always good to share the word. It's always exciting to study a little extra, a little harder, uh, and um, to be able to share with you today. So I appreciate the opportunity. I've been contemplating God's mercy a lot recently, and it just prompted me to do a little bit of a study here on God's mercy, understanding what that really means. Um, mercy, of course, can, is thought of as showing compassion or having forbearance with others. I honestly thought the only definition for a long time was just withholding punishment even when justice demands it. That's the the definition you kind of always think of, but it's more than just that. It's compassion, forbearance, um, empathy, if even sometimes sympathy, and so forth. And because it's one of God's defining characteristics, it's, it's much more than just withholding punishment, although that's the simplest way to define it. But I think we'll see more here shortly. The seminal verse when it comes to God and mercy is Moses crying out, God, show me who you are. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. And of course, Moses replies in Exodus. We're in Exodus 34, verse 6. He allows Moses to, to see him for a bit. The Lord passed by him. Exodus 34, verse 6, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. You could preach for a month on just those five things, but the first thing he wants to be known as is merciful. When you introduce yourself to someone, you tell them your name because that's how they need to know you, Right. That's, what, that's the most important thing to have a conversation with somebody is to know their name. And here he reveals himself, the Lord, the Lord God, I am merciful. His defining characteristic above all else. <clears throat> and he wants to be known as a merciful God. We hear a lot about the judgment and vengeance of God in the Old Testament, and people must glaze right over this verse because this is the first way he describes himself. Matthew 12, 7 says, But if you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. Jesus is quoting Hosea 6, for if you wish to cross-reference. But he's condemning the Pharisees. He says, If you would have known me at all, you would know that I would have mercy over sacrifice. Jesus is berating the scribes and the Pharisees and emphasizing the desire that the Father has for mercy. Because with the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were all about the law, which is very important. The law is necessary, but they had no room for mercy. They were always looking for people who they could punish. Now, really, that's not the intent of the law or any law, really, even a speed limit sign. 
They don't throw a speed limit sign on the road and say, man, I hope people break that thing all day long. Now, you might think that way when you, when a police officer pulls you over and say, hey, buddy, what's your quota? Are you, are you in there? But that's not the intent. The intent is to keep people safe. The intent is to keep traffic manageable and so forth with, with the speeding laws. But any law is for our protection, for our benefit, to keep us within boundaries so that we don't go past them and potentially hurt ourselves and so forth. But it wasn't that way with the Pharisees. They were looking at the law as an opportunity to judge, as an opportunity to fine, as an opportunity to excommunicate people and enforce their will upon other people. But that's not what God is. That's not who God is. And Jesus here in Matthew 12 was completely, he was really going after the Pharisees, like I said, to berating them. You guys don't understand at all. I'd rather have mercy than sacrifice. Right. So someone who is merciful has a, has a disposition to extend mercy whenever possible, unlike the Pharisees who are always looking to judge and to punish. You know, and, and, if you meet someone like this, there's people like this in the world who are always looking for a way to, to get to get at somebody. When I was younger, I went to youth camp, not the, the Daniel, Pastor Daniel and Sarah's youth camp. It was a different youth camp uh, when when we were at Starville, and there was there was somebody there, and I don't, I don't remember who they even their name was or anything. Thankfully, but I remember I remember their characteristic. They were always like looking to find ways that. We and, and it felt that way as a young person. He's just looking for ways to get me in trouble. Your shorts are a quarter inch too short, or you know, you're showing half an inch longer on your sleeve than what you should. I mean, just literal nitpicking stuff all the time. And it really, as a youth, it discouraged me because I'm like, here I'm at a church camp and I got this guy who's a counselor, and all he wants to do is yell at me the whole time. <laughs> and that's not what the law is. And if you know people like this, it's extremely frustrating to be around them because all they're looking to do is judge and judge and judge. And I like to show mercy as much as possible because I need all the mercy I can get. Um, God's mercy is described many ways throughout Scripture. Uh, the first of them is great. God's great mercy Isaiah 54, verse 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Great mercies. The second way is abundant. Abundant mercy. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not just great, not, but abundant as well. Exceeding abundant. You know, when you think about asking for mercy, you don't want that supply to run out. And the thing is, God says, I've got an abundant supply of mercy. So he never runs out, just like he never runs out of wisdom, just like he never runs out of the grace that we need to get through things. But his mercy is abundant as well. Psalm 25, verse 6, or excuse me, back up. 
Isaiah 55, verse 3. His mercies are sure. Incline your ears and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. <clears throat> so they're great, they're abundant, they're sure, they're secure, they're fixed, they will happen, right? His, his mercies that are towards us. They're also tender. Psalm 25, verse 6, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old tenderness. Tenderness is, is a very important thing with dealing with other people. Compassion, tenderness, being of a soft spirit. It's very important. And God, in his tender mercies, reaches out to us and, and shows compassion to us. How many times... When you look through the Gospels, does it say Jesus was moved with compassion for people? And it's like the soft spirit above all else. Yes, he, there were times when he flipped the table over and the money changers and all that, but he was moved with compassion more times than I think anything else. And it was to show mercy, to show a healing on someone or to minister to someone in, in some way. And... That's one of the nature, one of the characteristics of God's mercy is a tenderness that comes with it. And like I said, people who think of the, the judgmental God of the Old Testament aren't reading it this, the clearly. Yes, there was judgment, but he was showing compassion and tenderness to those to Israel and others for a long time before he had to have the judgment come in. They are new every morning, Lamentations. You don't get a Lamentations quote very often in a sermon, but here's one. <laughs> Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. <clears throat> it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's a blessing as well. They fail not. They are new every morning. We had a, someone who would always come and ask me, somebody who always asks you, for, you just asked me for that, right? I just gave that to you. How many times have your parents, I just gave you that last week, or I just gave you this, or so forth. But not with God. His mercies are new every morning. He doesn't say, I just gave you mercy yesterday. Oh, thank God he doesn't do that, right? Because I need it every day. I just gave you mercy for that exact same thing just yesterday. He says, nope, they're new every morning. Here they are, and they fail not. So his mercies are known as great, abundant, sure, tender, and new every morning. There's an abundant supply. And that sounds awesome. But what I and I and this is not anything new, and I was studying it out and I said, this is all really good. But there has to be a balance with mercy too, which I didn't think about fully until recently. And the defining matter is mercy ultimately belongs to God. Exodus 33, 19, you've probably read this verse a zillion times, but I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. 
and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. In other words, it's entirely his providence whether he's going to show mercy or not. We, there is a balance. We have to know God's heart in the matter, to know what God's mind is. Lord, is, what is mercy in this situation? What is it? Or is it not mercy at all? And there's a couple times when uh, we'll see where God didn't intend to show mercy at all. And you, it's his prerogative to show mercy as he sees fit. It's not given to us. And we should always ask the Lord for his mind in the matter. And Pastor Bailey used to drive this home quite a bit. But I always remember the one thing, and he, he, we've probably all heard him say it. If you're going to make a mistake... If you're going to error, be too merciful rather than too judgy. So that's kind of the way I've lived my life. Is If I'm going to make a mistake, I'd rather be too merciful than too judgy. But there are times when the Lord says no. And if, if he says no, we have to back off. I think of, well, the, the example I thought of was Saul and the Amalekites. In 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel talked to King Saul and said, Go and smite all of these Amalekites. Verse 3. We're going to I'm giving you context and then we'll get to the, the verse. So you don't have to throw that up just yet. But he said, kill everyone, man, woman, children, even, even animals, everything. Wipe them out for their, it was the time for their judgment to be fully fulfilled on the earth. And there was a reason for that because of how they had been afflicting Israel and God's people and the sins that they had been doing throughout their lives. And God says, it's finally, it's up. We're going to cut them off. And that was Saul's command. But what Saul did in true to Saul's form he killed everyone, but he spared the king and all the best of their sheep and their flocks and kept and would not utterly destroy them, even though God explicitly told him, everybody goes. Saul said, no, no, let's keep the good people and we'll keep the king. But the interesting thing is in verse 13 through 15, Saul, Samuel returns to Saul and Saul says, blessed it be the name of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now, had he performed the commandment of the Lord? No, he didn't. He partially performed the commandment of the Lord, but he didn't complete it. And Samuel says, what is this sheep that I hear? What are the oxen that I hear in my, ba- in the ba- in my ears? And Saul said, well, I brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord. So we did this for you. We did this to be a good thing. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. We did it for the Lord so we could make a sacrifice, but that's not what the Lord wanted. He wanted obedience. And ultimately, the, Samuel replies, verse 22 through 23, The Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken, then the fat of rams. He's telling him here, that's not what I told you to do. You might think showing mercy would have been the right thing. But in this case, 
Absolutely not. The other example I thought of, and it's been really heavy on my mind lately, was the, the prodigal son, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. There's mercy all over the place in that parable. And when that son leaves at the beginning, his father must have been crushed, right? Think about how, and, and you know, the older I get, the more you see when people make decisions, you're like, oh, that is not going to end well. You know it's not going to end well, but you have to let it go. And if the father would have chased him or tried to put boundaries on him to get him to come back, that's not merciful. That's actually making things worse. And then he, he had to have known where his son was. I'm sure he would have. I would be, can you at least look out for him, tell me what's going on? To hear that he end up, ends up in the pigs, eating and sleeping with the pigs, would it have been merciful to go and pick him up, clean him off, give him some money so he could buy some food? A lot of people think, yes, you're showing compassion on somebody who's in need, but not in this situation. The merciful thing to do is to let him go and let him come to the end of himself so that he will realize his need and return. And then he shows mercy again with, oh, you're back. When he, when he does come back, he sprints out to him. He cleans him up, throws him a party and the whole thing. But the whole point is merciful mercy does not belong to us. It belongs to God. And it requires a lot of understanding of what the situation is and what God intends to do. So we have to ask and say, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? And it's a, it's a difficult prayer because your emotion and your hearts want to go, your heart wants to go one way. And I always, like I said, would always, well, Pastor Bailey said, if you're going to make a mistake, be a mistake, showing too much mercy. But sometimes that showing too much mercy is an even bigger mistake. And we have to be careful. And it's not really true mercy either. It's, it's feeding your own emotions to calm yourself down, right? Okay, so mercy belongs to God. We see mercy in, in King David's life. He committed, I mean, he committed worse sins. I mean, at face value, King David and his men and so forth, what he did... Was was worse than some of the other things other kings did. I mean, he committed adultery, he killed the 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 wife or the husband of the the man or the woman he took, and God showed him mercy, but he didn't give him. He wasn't exempt from punishment either. He had what fifteen different judgments that he had to go through. Mercy was he spared his life because really by the law he should have been dead for killing another man, right? In that way, especially. But God spared his life because of his heart, because of his acceptance of the judgment. He acknowledged his sin. He's, and, and if you read all the penitential Psalms, there's seven of them, seven or eight of them. There's no excuses in him. He didn't do what Saul did. He said, well, the people made me do it. Or, well, what was, you know, and try to acknowledge or make any excuses. He says, I did this. This is all my fault. I'm only responsible. Whatever you say, Lord, is what I'll accept. Let your sen let my sentence come from your lips, and I'll accept it. And that's a heart that God can do something with. That's a heart that God 
can deal with. But he he didn't pardon him, and and all is forgiven. He still had to pay the. He still had many penalties to pay. Like I said, about fifteen of them. But his life was spared, which is where he was. Samson as well. I thought about that for a minute. He's known for his strength, known for his anointing. And he, people even to this day say, you know, someone has the strength of Samson. But he lost his anointing because he couldn't keep his spirit or his flesh in check. And he lost his sight, he lost his hair and so forth. And at the end of his life, when he's brought into that temple by the Philistines and they're mocking him and they're mocking God and so forth, he's crying out and he says, let me have my strength one more time to do judgment on these people. He could have, and, and he knew he was going to die. When you think about it from, he's like, I know I'm going to die too, but let's judge, let me judge these people one more time. And a merciful God says, do, yes, we'll let this happen. We'll give you your strength. We'll do judgment on these wicked people. Other than they would have probably tortured him for the rest of his life and let him die out being tortured and mocked by the Philistines. He was a young man when that when this happened. He was probably in his 40s, right? So he had a long time to go of being tortured and mocked. And in this situation, the Lord says, okay, go ahead. And then he killed more people in his death than he did when he was alive. And it was to judge the enemies of Israel. So we see mercy all over the place. We just have to understand what it, what it is and how God's using it. You wouldn't think, well, let this man die. But it really is God showing mercy. So we can judge the people, but, I mean, what would have happened to him had he not died then? It would have been terrible, horrible. Mercy is the highest expression of the Godhead. We see this in the tabernacle of Moses. We talk about being in the holiest of all, the holiest place. We sang that song this morning. <clears throat> in the middle of the holiest of all, in the middle of the holiest place, is the ark and the Ten Commandments, and above it all is the mercy seat, which is above the law. And that's where God speaks from. He speaks from the mercy seat. He speaks to us from a place that's even elevated above the law. When, when God speaks in that way, what a blessing. It reveals, again, his heart of mercy, his character. It's, it's a defining piece of who God is. And it's the first thing he wants us to know. He wanted Moses to know him as, and likewise us, is I'm a God of mercy. But we have to understand mercy is his to give, right? And we have to understand that. So Hebrews 4, 16 will close. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to that throne. The grace, the throne of grace is where mercy comes from. And grace is unmerited favor. Grace is divine enablement and so forth. But that throne of grace the unmerited favor. We don't deserve mercy, right? It's unmerited. It's undeserved. And he gives it to us anyway. But we, the throne of grace, I, when I think of coming to a throne, especially with the Father in heaven, I think of coming with a, a petition, if you will. You're coming to petition the king. A lot of times when people appear before royalty, it's 
either a petition or some sort of thing, but and you're saying to God, I'm at the throne of grace. I want mercy. I need mercy. Or should I show mercy? It's a decision point, really. And I, it really, like I said recently, it really just changed the way I thought about it because it's not just a blanket application, but it's a, you're appealing to the throne of grace. You're appealing and saying, Lord, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right decision? So we want to be merciful. Of course, Micah, Micah encourages us, Micah 6.8. I skipped this verse, but what does God require of us? To do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So it's definitely a requirement. We should want to show mercy. We should show mercy whenever possible. But if I, the thing that I want to just drive home, if we can, is it belongs to God. It's his to give. And he decides who gets it and who doesn't. And sometimes that's hard. And thinking about going to that throne of grace with the petition and saying, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to do? Lord, we thank you so much for the work you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your abundant mercy. We thank you for your sure mercy. We thank you for your great mercy. And Lord, we thank you for the mercy that you've shown us. And Lord, may we live lives of showing compassion and being merciful to others, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for this word. And we just ask that you would seal it in our hearts to know that mercy belongs to you and, and you alone, Lord. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.